0: This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing of a wound just a quick spray or dab can help with a wide range of issues ranging from cuts scrapes sunburns rashes including stubborn diaper rashes i discovered active skin repair baby when my daughter had wicked diaper rashes and it's now part of our diaper rash routine apply and then use your balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your first order by using code PEDSDOC. That's 20% off your order by using code P-E-D-S-D-O-C.
1: And in that moment, the person, if they have escalated
0: emotions,
1: they're not going to be able to receive the information because they're very emotional. So I think if we take responsibility of saying, OK, is this something that needs to be addressed in this moment or is it going to be better for both of us? Does it serve both of us to take a breath and just remove myself from the situation and then come back and talk about it when we are a little bit more calm and we can actually have a good Discourse rather than arguing.
0: Welcome back to the PEDS Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that keeps growing because of you and your reviews. So please make sure you leave those reviews and ratings whenever you can. And thank you for being here today. Today's guest is a returning guest. Her name is Linda Cormier. She's a speaker, personal development trainer, business owner, author, nonprofit founder wife and mother, and she is a second time guest on my podcast. If you have not already listened to episode 123 on how to stay connected to purpose and joy during chaotic times. And she's coming back to talk with me today about why arguing with family isn't the worst thing in the world. Thank you so much for joining me again, Linda. Thank
1: you. I'm so happy to be back.
0: So in case people have not, you know, listened to that other episode, tell me more about yourself and why this topic is so important to you.
1: Uh well, I kind of joke around and I say of all the titles that I have because I've kind of done a lot. I'm 58, but 50, I'll be 58 this year. So I have had a lot of going on in my career, but the thing that I'm the most proud of is my children, my daughters, my relationships with my family members, including my ex-husband who I have a great relationship with. Um so I think for me, the most important thing is our relationships in general. And the reason this topic is so near and dear to my heart is because I avoided arguing like the plague for the longest time, um, but have found what happens on the other side of that can be really, really rewarding and enriching.
0: And I'm glad we're having this conversation because I also grew up in a house where my parents didn't argue in front of me and I kind of look back and I kind of wish they had more healthy arguments, if you will, because then I kind of grew up thinking that arguing was a bad thing. You know, it gets labeled and it's also there's a difference between, I think, arguing and yelling and, you know, obviously you can have disagreements. Um, where do you think that came from for you? Like, when did you have that aha moment? Was it in marriage that you were like, hey, this is OK if we don't agree and let's okay, it's OK if we argue?
1: I think it didn't really come into play until I got married the second time. My parents, mm-hmm. I have the most amazing example of this incredible love. My dad adored my mom. And it's such a beautiful story. She's from Central America. Um, I've just lost her this year, but she's originally from Central America, from Nicaragua. And my mm-hmm. dad was like blonde haired blue eyed surfer from Redondo Beach, California. Uh-huh. And so their relationship was really, I mean, the most incredible example to me, they did not argue. And I don't think they didn't argue intentionally. They really just had a great, they had a great marriage, but I was married for 20 years or with my first husband for 20 years total. And we really never argued. And so part of, I think that that contributed actually to our divorce because there were so many things that we had gone through that were left unsaid. And I just, you know, I have no problem expressing myself. If it's positive, but if it's negative, I don't, because I've always taught that what you say is like toothpaste. Once you come, it comes out, you can't put it back in and it's kind of hard to clean up off the counter. (laughs) So I never would say anything if I perceived it to be negative, but it really was in my second marriage that I realized. And with my children, as they were growing up, that sometimes we were not going to agree And that that was okay to actually have tough conversations. And that's what I really mean by arguing. Not like you're saying, not like yelling, knock down, drag out fights, but arguing because we have differences of opinion and what can happen on the other side of that.
0: And yeah, what are those benefits that you've seen from that realization that arguing isn't the worst thing in the world? Um, Whether it's with your partner or your children, um, how did that benefit you in your relationships?
1: I can say unequivocally with all of them, that if we've endured what I consider an argument or a very difficult conversation or have differences of opinion, when we get through it, we are closer as a result. Because we learn more about each other. I know for fact, there's greater understanding. And I've always been, you know, that age old saying, seek first to understand. If you are having an argument with somebody and you're able to minimize the emotional reaction and just really kind of try and listen and hear their perspective. A lot of times there's so much learning that can happen in that place. And, you know, as a mom, I just felt like I can't have anything negative. Like I want to be a role model. So I want to be a model for all good things. And so what ended up happening and realizing this, I think my daughter was maybe 14 years old And she's the one who told me, I know that you live in Disneyland, like you want everything to be happy all the time, but that's not real. So it's okay if we're Mm -hmm. upset with each other. She really was the one that helped me understand how important it was to have some of those tough conversations.
0: Oh, that's amazing that she was the one that kind of helped you realize that. And you saw some benefits in her as well, right? Meaning this is obviously something that helped her and she got more out of the relationship as well um, from you being more open about all this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The few times, I mean, I'm very, very fortunate. My desired outcome when I had kids, I always wanted that as they grew older, I wanted for all of us to really enjoy each other's company and choose to hang out with each other. Cause growing up, I had 27 cousins and it was on Sundays we always had to get together with family. And so it was a have to, and I wanted in my family for it to be a get to that we get to mm-hmm. be together. And, and we mm-hmm. really to bring out the best of each other and enjoy each other's company and just have fun together. And, What I realized is in that effort, if there was something that threw a monkey wrench into that plan, then I would be like really trying to navigate and manipulate the situation to be happy really fast. (laughs) Like, and it didn't really give anyone space to feel what they were feeling. If I'm trying to move the ship in one dock only, and the dock is like Disneyland. Yeah. So As we were navigating, I got divorced and then remarried. And so all of the ups and downs that comes along with that, there is a lot of room to have disagreements and to have arguments and not know what the right thing is to do when and how and all of that. It was such an important moment. And it was really because of my children that I learned about this pine cone, that the only way that it releases new seeds is if it goes through a fire. And so in California, we have a lot of fires. And it's really devastating. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I learned about that there are this specific pine cone that only in a fire does it actually release the new seeds for growth. Mm. And so I put that into this concept of arguing because for me, it was so uncomfortable to argue. It felt like going through the fire, like I wanted to avoid it at all costs, but it really did release seeds for new growth and that growth in our relationships and understanding of one another.
0: And why do you think it was so uncomfortable, like um, this arguing? Is it that you felt like it was going to turn out a certain way, that you didn't want it to be that way? Or was it that you just felt like that's not what's supposed to happen? Like, why do you think you or maybe other people have that discomfort with arguments?
1: Well, my experience is very specific to me. I actually don't talk about it very much, but I will share. My dad and I were really close. He was like my hero. And we had a falling out when I was in college and he passed away unexpectedly and we hadn't spoken. We had an argument and we never argued. And so when we argued, it was like, we didn't know how to do it. I did not know how to argue and he didn't either. And so we had words that were very, very harsh and neither of us really knew what to do or how to recover from it. So we didn't speak to each other and he died. And oh, I'm so sorry. I, yeah. well, that was really, it was very traumatizing for me to lose him in that way, in that moment when we weren't speaking to each other. So I think that I personally was really uncomfortable with any argument because there was like this, I guess, PTSD that something could happen and I would lose that person. So I would avoid any kind of confrontation at all because it was just connected to so much pain. And so it was just not worth it. And then thankfully again, from my daughter, my oldest daughter is the one we were talking about something. We were having an argument and I had a really strong reaction. Like I was sobbing and she's like, I don't know what is wrong. I don't know what is wrong with you. Like, why are you reacting like this? And I finally shared with her is because I'm scared to death that somehow something will happen and our relationship will be severed, and mm-hmm. we talked about my dad, and she said that would never happen because you wouldn't let it. And it's powerful. Yeah. It was so powerful. I realized that you know, in my, I was very young, and we, my dad and I had our experience, but I would never allow that to happen with my own children because I wouldn't stop talking to them. So I think everyone has their own reasons why maybe conflict is difficult and i think learning how to have those difficult conversations and arguments is really a, an important part of that message that arguing isn't always the worst thing
0: yeah i mean exactly what you said that i do agree with that i think that there's different traumas or you know reasons why that may happen like your reason is different than mine mine is that i never saw people argue in a healthy way it was either yelling or it was either don't talk about anything so i never saw the conflict resolution That was healthy until I went to college um, and I actually became an RA and in that training of being a resident assistant, you learn about conflict resolution and how to have a conversation when people are disagreeing and how to deescalate people who are heated. Like I learned all that in my um, undergrad experience, but that was very valuable for human interactions in general, you know, because I just never, I never knew. I have the perfect gift for Father's Day melon premium headwear. These are the best hats and worth every penny. Check all their five-star reviews if you don't believe me. Without a doubt, the most durable and comfy hats you can find. My husband is hat obsessed, but he's been wearing the same old beat up hat that was losing its spark in heat and sweat. We got some melon headwear and now he just can't get enough. Melon hats are built to last five times longer than any other hat. And my favorite part, no more gross hat smell. With natural antimicrobial properties, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains and no smell. And if you need to wash it, they come right back to life and look brand new. They offer three different size options to fit everyone's head. Our favorite is the legend hat. My husband wore it to an outdoor party and he got tons of compliments. Use code PEDSDOC at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to M E L I N dot com and use code PEDSDOC at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. I don't know about you, but warmer, sunnier days mean more time outside, more activities with the family, and less time to think about what to eat. Fuel up for the summer with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Every meal is fresh, never frozen, dietitian approved, and is easy to warm up. I dream of their spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken daily. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Factor meals feel like a treat when I'm in mom-boss mode, working from home, or taking care of the kids with restaurant style meals with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash peds.talk50 and use code peds.talk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code peds.talk50 at factormeals.com slash 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is
2: active. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.
0: Uh, And it's so important that we do that reflection, you know, so that we can understand that, hey, never will I seek out confrontation. I think there's a difference. There's so much terminology here, right? Like confrontation is like, it sounds negative, right? It sounds like, oh, you're going to get at each other. No, it's, I like the word disagreement, if we're going to say, use a word here. Um, Because yeah, sometimes you're not going to agree with everything. And that's the purpose of learning from each other, like you said. And with my husband, like, it used to be, arguing and it used to be, um, you know, confrontation. And then we learned to evolve into this agree, you know, this disagreement and discussions, you know, like, how are we going to navigate this disagreement and find a compromise or find, you know, what do we need to do to move forward? And when you look at that terminology too, I know I labeled this episode arguing, but we really want to normalize these words that it's not a bad word to disagree. It's not a bad word to argue quote unquote, and it doesn't have to include yelling, like you mentioned.
1: Yeah. And I think also what happens when we do allow ourselves to have those disagreements, it's when we can see patterns within certain relationships. Like I know with my husband, um, growing up, he had a very domineering father, and he had to do everything right. And any little thing, you know, he could get in trouble for fairly easily. And, you know, even to the point where he had to win his tennis matches, you know, heaven forbid, he didn't win. And so there was a lot of fear of doing something wrong. And so if we had kind of an argument or a disagreement, his first natural reaction was to be defensive because it was hard for him to just be okay with being wrong because that had such heavy consequences for him growing up. Right. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes I think we, to use that word that you just did labels and kind of different terminology, like when we have a partner or a husband or wife or even our children, if they are very sensitive to any kind of criticism or feel like they have to be right all the time, I think we tend to label them in a certain way. And it's like, wait, let's really understand where is that coming from? Let me make it okay for him to be wrong because that no one's perfect, you know? And I think that, it's really, really, just everybody's upbringing and everybody's conditioning is so different. And for me, I'm like the opposite. If I make a mistake, it's like, oopsie, you know, I'm like, oh, I just walked through the screen door in front of everybody at a party because I didn't, oops, like not, I didn't grow up with a heavy hand of me having to be perfect all the time. So my reaction to making a mistake is like, oops, I'm so sorry. I, you know, it's easier for me to say I made a mistake But that doesn't make me better or worse. It's just everybody has different conditioning. When we have those real honest kind of disagreements, to use the word that you're using, we're able to see what those patterns are and then understand them better.
0: And do you think that there is like, again, in just your perspective and understanding of arguing and how it can be healthy, is there a formula, if you will, I know that it could vary family to family on how to argue in a fair way like you know to make this be productive is there a way that we should approach you know discussions and and arguments if you will
1: there's two things that come to my mind the first is i am very aware that my words can have significant consequences so i will never say anything that could potentially compromise somebody's self-esteem mm-hmm. and that's just something that's really From the time my kids were even very, very little and having to discipline them. And if they made a poor choice or something wrong, it's like, that's something that you did that doesn't define who you are. Mm -hmm. And so that for me, it's like recognizing your words and not allowing them to compromise someone's self-esteem. And the second thing is timing. I think, especially in parenting, sometimes we feel that we have to be reacting instantly to something. And in that moment, the person, if they have escalated emotions, they're not going to be able to receive the information because they're very emotional. So I think if we take responsibility of saying, OK, is this something that needs to be addressed in this moment or is it going to be better for both of us? Does it serve both of us to take a breath and just remove myself from the situation and then come back and talk about it when we are a little bit more calm and we can actually have a good Discourse rather than argue.
0: Ah, I love that because, um, you know, a lot of my listeners vary in age, but most of them have smaller children. And I love having discussions about parenting topics and family, you know, topics like we are, because, like you said, it goes into those years, right? Um, This is the concept of giving space for tantrums, if you will, in the toddler ages and, you know, not always trying to fix things. um, It's so important. And I resonate so much with that, having a You know, two and a half year old at the time of this recording, and I know you have teenage children, it's the concepts are similar, right? Um, For sure, that we have to give some space and not try to fix. And it's okay for them to feel, but you're not trying to, in that moment, saying you should be doing this or this is how it is and belittling them. And like you said, self esteem in that moment, right? Or ever. I love what you said about that. And it kind of goes back to what you said earlier about that toothpaste analogy, right? Like once you squeeze out the toothpaste, it can't go back in. So once you say something to someone, like words matter, you know, and then if you're attacking their self-esteem or even if it's something that you didn't really mean, like being more cognizant of that. And I think all of us listening, um, all of you listening can probably think about conversations you've had with loved ones, people, the most closest to you. I can tell, like, even with my own husband, like things that we said to each other in the heat of the moment, that wasn't fair. And, you know, we look back and we're like, we apologize to each other and say, look, like I said this to you. And that was actually very hurtful and vice versa. And I think that also helps with the future arguments that we have, you know, like recognizing that we made mistakes, like you said earlier in the episode too. Yeah.
1: The other thing that I was just thinking about it is in
0: training that I've
1: done really, really early in my career, that was kind of considered sales training, mm-hmm. um, really just people and relationship building. There was a, something that was taught to me that I've shared with other people and outside of business to take it outside of business and to bring it into the family dynamic. And that is, it says feel felt found. So when Mm -hmm. somebody is really going through something and it's feeling argumentative, it's really trying your hardest to understand how they feel, what their perspective is, even if you don't agree with it, if you can, you know, get yourself to the place where you can understand how they feel And then share with them, if you've ever felt the same, you know, I understand how you feel. And when I was four years old, I can remember feeling the same way that it felt really unfair that whatever. But what I found is that, you know, my mom really was trying to do the right thing by me. And so saying that at whatever age, I understand how you feel. I felt the same way, but what I found, it puts you on an even playing ground and it can diffuse a heated moment.
0: Yeah, and diffuse that moment and then come back with it. Where obviously, because I think another misconception is that people feel like you'll have it and then the argument or disagreement won't happen ever again. I mean, that's not, it may happen again, correct? Like you're going to have arguments, maybe, or disagreements about different things or similar things. And it doesn't mean it's just about process and working together.
1: Yeah. And I think it boils down to one of the things I teach this thing called the 10 greatest gifts. One of the greatest gifts is to honor and value differences in others. Mm-hmm. And so that means not just honor and value differences in the way that we look or whatever, it's honor and value what we feel about something. And if somebody has a completely different perspective, that that's their vantage point, that's their perspective, yeah. their reality, and just understand that rather than judge it.
0: I admit it fully that I, Strive so hard to do a better job of that, you know? And I think that's part of why I love these episodes where I can really talk about parenting, relationships, and self growth, right? Really recognizing, like, maybe I could be better at this in my job. Maybe I could be better at this with my relationships with the loved ones in my life because it not only makes everyone feel better about the relationship, but it also makes me feel better that there's some process here, right? I mean, part of being a human being and part of being an adult is learning how to be better. Like we're always growing. And I just love these conversations with you, Linda, because I feel like you also have that desire to continue to grow, whether it be personally or with relationships. So thank you so much. Oh,
1: always. I mean, that is the journey, right? It's about that. that. Exactly. Yeah, I agree.
0: And is there anything else you want to add to this? I mean, I think we've gotten through, you know, why the disagreements can be healthy, what families can learn from these disagreements, um, and, you know, how to argue in a fair way. Is there anything that you would want to add? I think this was just such an amazing conversation that we've had.
1: Oh, thank you. I think the only thing that I would add is always ask yourself within every relationship, especially your family, you know, and children is, what's my desired outcome? I, it's one mm-hmm. of the questions that I, when I'm doing coaching and, you know, working with a lot of women is getting them in the habit to say, what is my desired outcome? And it's usually not to win a fight. That's not the desired outcome is to win. Yeah. The desired outcome is to understand and to move forward and to learn and to grow and to have a really rewarding, enriching relationship with our husband, kids, whatever. So what is my desired outcome? How important is this? Like what I'm devoting this energy to and I can guide and navigate how the conversation, how the disagreement, if I'm staying connected to my desired outcome all the time and that desired outcome Mm -hmm. is an enriched relationship, then that is going to really help with the length, the energy, the tone, the body language, all of it.
0: Uh, I love it, and I love how you focus on that big picture goal versus like the nitty gritty of um you know what people I think tend to focus on in relationships communication and parenting. I don't invite people onto my podcast a lot again, um but I love inviting people <laughs> who share this sort of parent like I said parenting mantras, but these are philosophies and mantras that not only help, like I said, in parenting but like I said, in relationships and self growth. so thank you so much for joining me. I always like to ask my guests at the end you know of a parenting low and then a parenting high, just to learn more about you and kind of, again, spread that sort of positivity and also that real reality of, you know, the ups and downs of parenthood. So what would be one of your parenting lows?
1: Well, my parenting low, my daughter, my daughter Morgan would tell you, I think she was about five years old. And, you know, I'm just like in this mad love of being still a, you know, parent with two young girls and my daughter Morgan, I don't know why she was upset. And I was giving her a bath and she told me she was going to Go live with Tyler, who lived next door, her buddy next door, that she wanted to go live with him. And I had the baby soap in my hand and I literally <laughs> squirted it in her mouth. Like, oh no, this wash your mouth out with soap yeah. that when I was a little girl. And it was, you know, harmless, nothing happened to her, but it was this
0: reflex that was so wrong. It was such a wrong reflex. Well, can I tell you something? I'm so glad that you're sharing this because I talk with my parent friends all the time about these sort of things that happen from whether it happened from our childhood or whatever, and then we don't talk about it and normalize it. And of course you didn't do it again, right? No, no, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do it again. And
1: it was like yeah. such, it was, and it was so pathetic because it mm-hmm. was obviously coming from my deep-rooted fear of my daughter yes. leaving me. Yes. And at five years old, I couldn't process. It was just, she was mad at something. Maybe I didn't give her ice cream. I don't know. It was like some little thing and she decided she was going to move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. And um, what would be a high, a parenting high?
1: A parenting high I think is when my daughter was turning 25, she'll be 28 in July, but she called me and said for my 25th birthday, I just want to have a girls trip with you and Shelby. What do you think? And with like 24 hours later, I think it was 72 hours later, we were on a plane um to Cabo and I got to take her and her sister and we had it and it was just the idea that that's what she wanted to do was to spend time with her family.
0: And it really
1: That was a high.
0: Oh, that is, I mean, I have a young child, but that is like the dream, like that my child wants to spend time with me um, as they get older into that young adult, you know, older adult years. Like that is so awesome. Oh, Linda, you're just such a joy to talk to. so
1: fun. That's what I would share with anybody, anyone who's got children that are under the age of 10, Mm -hmm. keep focused on what your desired outcome is with them because it's so much, there's so much to look forward to.
0: Oh, I love it. And again, I love having so many different guests on my podcast. But what I really love is when I can get parents of children who are older, because I feel like when I do this ups and downs, like to get the wisdom from people who have done this, you know, who have older children, Um, you know, I'm a mother of a young child. And so I just really, I love hearing these ups and downs. So thank you so much for sharing that today. And where can people find you? Um, Obviously social media, website, things like that to learn more about you and your programs and services.
1: It's pretty much just my name, Linda Cormier, whether it's my personal website or Instagram or Facebook. I love hearing from people and I'm at a stage in my career, luckily that I have, I get to work like with my nonprofit. And so some of it's business, but a lot of it is just kind of mentoring as well. So I love hearing from people and I always reply, so.
0: Oh, thank you. And I'm going to be linking all her resources, meaning where you can find Linda um, on my show notes. And if you love this episode, make sure you share it on your social media, Instagram stories, tag us, and also make sure you rate and review this episode. And thanks again, Linda, for joining me today.
1: Thank you. i look forward to maybe being on again. I really enjoyed having these conversations.
0: Yes, me too. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Have you heard about the terrible twos or 3 nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training, but there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit PedsDocTalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit PedsDocTalk.com and click courses for more.